Welcome back for part two of the Talkie Talk Oscar uh, opinion podcast. That's what we'll call this one. I was almost called it predictions, but it's not that. It's preferences. Who should win? Trying to advise them on what ought to happen on Sunday night. And you can tune in on Sunday to see them not pay attention to us. I would give Warren Beatty the right envelope. <laughs> Maybe just sidestep him altogether. Yeah. So, I believe we are uh, picking up where we left off with cinematography? Yep. What do we so got? So, we're going to go through these categories, uh, say all the nominees, and then uh, uh, go from there. Yell, we'll yell at each other. We're going not. for uh, the one that has the most votes. Without further ado, cinematography. Uh, nominees here are Roma, The Favorite... Cold War, Star is Born, and Never Look Away. Of these, the uh, Cinematographers Guild actually went with Cold War as their winner. Well, this is the foreignest, uh, non-foreign language uh, category with three movies coming from uh, the foreign language, the whatever mm -hmm. submissions. Right. Sure. And with that said, I'm going to go with one that was entirely in English. Uh, and I'm going to pick the favorite. I really loved the cinematography in that. Really uh, unconventional uh, camera work there. A lot of fixed position camera, fisheye lens shots that I really appreciated. The tracking shots behind characters as they're walking, talking down the hallways. Everything up to and including uh, the lighting going down the hidden corridor. I just loved in the favorite. It really helped set the scene of making the palace both like the open instrument of government while also showing the secret life of uh, Queen Anne. Uh, so I really liked the favorite here. Cool. I'll, I'll jump on. Um, I'm voting for the favorite as well. I think there was... I think I struggled with this because I didn't know if what I'm about to say was credit to Lanthimos um, or the cinematography of the film, but I feel like it was subtle, but I noticed that when you entered the room through the lit side... Her, and I'm talking about her quarters, the Queen's quarters. Yeah. Uh, those are when, like, happier scenes happened. Funnier, lighter-hearted shit. And when you went through that dark pathway, yeah. the secret hall, that room almost felt like hell at times. And I think they did a really good job, especially with the use of 100% natural light, which uh, isn't super original. It happened last year, I think, with uh, the Gary Oldman film. Darkest Hour? Yeah. But going all natural and not using any, you know, backlit for any of those scenes was, was really well done and it really affected the emotion and knew when I in a film that had Lanthimos leaked all in it, it made me know when I was supposed to kinda of not be giggling. Yeah. And, and it that ended up giving most of that credit to the cinematography and, and not to to Lanthimos. Yeah. It's a tough one to have it between actually all three of these that I've seen were pretty strong. So tough. We'll throw Another. a bone to Stars Born does a great job of keeping everything so close quarters with everybody. I don't know, just doing a real great job of putting you in the in the middle of that, especially the scenes that are on stage, I think are shot phenomenally. Yes. Reminded me of uh, Black Swan, which the cinematographer also did. Kind of a different way to do performance rather than looking back, you're in the middle of it. I feel, like, job for that. I feel like Cooper had a lot of like tall orders on where he wanted the camera, and I think the cinematographer delivered up. I agree. Yeah, I think that could be a first, but I think that's a third, and I'm struggling between the favorite and Roma. It was my third. I will probably give it to uh, Roma here. It was incredible. Yeah, <laughs> quite a feat in the black and white to make it so so vibrant, and especially all the stuff on the city streets, like we're talking about. There's the the home and the 
you know, the favorite has the fisheye lens, and Roma has the rotating, like, uh, paranormal activity fan camera, where it's just, like, it's panning from side to side and capturing things. On the street, like, uh, Cleo rushing to go do something does a great job with that. And the beach scene, that's one of the best scenes in the movie, for reasons we've already talked about in part one, does a great job of going in between the safety and the danger of that, uh, of the beach. Perfectly fine vote. <laughs> I'm uh I've been avoiding trying to avoid deadlocks uh with a lot of my votes. I I can't this time. Roma I think is uh, one of my favorite shot movies and I think it's my favorite of this year and probably my favorite of most years. Hit all the marks for me as as far as uh how how it was filmed. I hear you use the word Gorgeous. favorite a lot. Does that mean <laughs> <laughs> Well, do we have any number 2s that can help us? I mean, I think I maybe we're all in the same spot. Yeah, we're Roma at number 2. Um, I'm favorite at number two. I, I think that a lot of what go in this like diatribe right now, because I want to save it for a few categories from now, but I think the superstar of Roma is hands down Alfonso Cuaron. And I think a lot of that shooting... Well, he did both. Yeah. Him as director. I know. <laughs> but I mean, I'm going to give him director, which I feel like is... is it's hard to, to split both. I feel like giving him both is... A little confusing because when you're a director and you take on another role, it's kind of falls under the umbrella of direction. You know what I mean? Sure. It's it's really hard because it's like, what? Where do you draw that line if you're doing both now? If right. you're setting the camera and also shooting, and you're the man behind it, you're running it. I don't know where to stop and say now it's cinematography. Yeah, where does one end and the other begin? It, right. It, it, it's a little easier when it's something like written and directed by. Like with with Spike Lee, you yeah, because there's two totally different things. But there's, cinema- there are different there are different jobs that require your full attention at different times, right? Whereas with cinematography and direction, you know, there's 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 not much else left to the behind the camera work for anyone else. Not saying that that detracts from Roma as a movie. I think for me, this makes it harder. It would make my Quran vote harder on director then. Because cinematography is still the thing that I can see. We may not know where direction ends and cinematography begins, but I know where cinematography is, at least. Yeah. Like, it's on... It's the thing I can see. Yeah. I can't see direction, necessarily. I could um, maybe break the deadlock by going to my number two. I'll go with the favorite. Really love the cinematography. And I think, TJ, you make a great point about we know what Lanthimos directed movies look like. And this doesn't look like it. I think it's because of the cinematography in the favorite that kind of differentiates it from the his other stuff is like really static and excruciatingly static, like in the lobster, in uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, and Dog, Dog Tooth, Tooth yeah, definitely very static. And the fact that this kind of moves and has more of an identity with the cinematography, I think I would uh, uh, chalk it up to that one. With uh, Alfonso Coron splitting himself into those two different roles, being more indistinguishable for me. So I'll uh, go over there. You can keep your Roma vote. <laughs> we will. We were always roaming together. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I, I feel it's, it's again. There's a, a bunch of these where we all seem to be agreed on the top two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, nothing short of incredible with what Roma did is in regards to cinematography. Cool. So favorite takes it with uh, Roma in second place. Uh, next we have uh, we're going to screenplays. Yeah. Uh, original screenplay this year is nominees are The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, First Reformed, and Vice. I think this this might be, and this is a, a, a wild shot, but I think this might be a unanimous clear loser. I don't think this has any shot <laughs> at winning the Oscar, 
but it is a movie that we all watched and really liked. I forget who recommended it, but my pick is going to be First Reformed. I'm not going to force you guys to pick First Reformed. I did force you to watch it, but man, Paul Schrader's screenplay in this is just fucking brilliant. I this is this is the movie this year that made me think more than any other that I saw. That made me contemplate and made me uh, masquerade as a critic and an auteur and a mm-hmm. just popcorn eating cinema goer. Uh, and I and I love the screenplay for this, and I love that Paul Schrader is toying with the idea of it being his last, just because he was so pleased with how it came out. Yeah. I'll go next because I'm also first reformed. I think it's the, the closest we have this year for a film being literature and how much you know I got out of it and how much is there for people. Uh, just huge fan of it. So there's a uh, you're familiar with Clickhole. Of course, one of my favorite websites. One of Clickhole's very first videos they ever did was just this uh, dancing rabbit thing that would just say, or it was a dinosaur that just said, racism is bad. And think about that. And I'm pretty impressed they managed to turn that into an entire movie called Green Book. But um, I was just thinking about what Chris said about movies that made you think. And I, and, I, and I looked at some of the other movies on this list and I thought, what did Green Book really make me think about? Which is just like the same thing that movies have been doing for ages which is just you know racism is bad but we knew that before we started before we watched Green Book I could also go for some fried chicken (laughs) that's about it but what do we do with the bones that that really um, (laughs) this is what we do uh, I thought the favorite screenplay was really really great with uh, a lot of uh, as far as the the witty dialogue went Um, but yeah it's first reformed for me easy vote TJ what you got I had Roma's last place in this category, actually, behind Green Book. I think some of the dialogue in Green Book was really well done, uh, especially a lot of the dialogue that Marge Lawley mm-hmm. got, and will probably do to him taking home an Oscar next week. But, yeah, it's first reformed. Uh, not really that close for me. Mm-mm. And Sorry. I think the like what was probably the storyboarding of first reformed is, is fantastic and really interesting, and Trader did a great job of that. But I think... What and I don't want to say people because I don't know who fucking watches movie besides the four of us uh, and a few listeners that echoed our sentiments of loving the movie. But uh, goddamn, the first fucking scene of the movie where he's talking, you know, when she invites him to come talk to her fiance, or yeah, husband, because that whole dialogue between the two of them and that little mini therapy session is fucking incredible screenwriting. And then and then like the the audacity to overlay on top of that monologue of the diary. Like, you wrote this great debate between these two obviously very strong thinkers, and then you were like, but it's not about that. It's about this struggle that he's having, that Ernst is having. Right. And, like, to just, like, write this great argument about, you know, theology and environmentalism and stewardship, and just go, yeah, 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 that's what it's about, but it's also about this internal struggle with faith. And just, like, throw it away and put this on top of it, is I hate using the word bold, but it fucking is. Another movie that could distract from it, but you know, pulling away for his <laughs> internal monologue during that just adds to it. That the, he's he's aware at the at the time that he this is not it's not even a debate. It's like it's a fight. It's a verbal sparring. Yeah, and it just it's electric. Yeah, it's it is it is it is you know Lucifer being cast down from heaven. Uh, and and that like before the end of that scene it snaps back from the monologue back to the argument is like 
it is a nice bookend that you don't ever leave, but you, you, you leave mentally, but not like physically or spatially. I think it was just really amazing. Yeah, and and, and just because this is the only place where first form is getting recognized uh, by the Academy, I want to echo that it's, it's by far the best homework we've ever had assigned in a, the year of a film's release. Mm-hmm. Well done, Chris. You're even now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't flaunt too hard. I don't think we can call me a Mr. Somebody. <laughs> so from now on, when we, when we, when we evaluate homework, we'll be like, on a scale of Chris to Chris. <laughs> how, good was, how good was this homework assignment? Um, but this is a movie that I, well, I'll say, and I probably said during the homework podcast that I wouldn't recommend it to everybody because it's a fucking trip. It's a journey. It's weird. It's fucking out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would recommend it to anybody who considers himself any type of like cinephile. It is yeah. uh, a fantastic movie and the screenplay is the shining star of it. Um, Ethan, Haw- Ethan Hawke's amazing. but Yeah, since we can't award Ethan Hawke or Paul Schrader as director or anywhere else. Um, this is, you know, one of the big strong suits of the movie. Yeah. Well, it's a great Ethan Hawke film, too, just where you're like, I love this. I think Brent said it on the original podcast. It was really well said and kind of made me realize, it's like, oh, it's one of those movies where it comes out every, like, three years where you're like, oh, yeah, Ethan Hawke's a really fucking good actor. <laughs> I forgot the past two years. Because he keeps making vampire movies. Or like... <laughs> yeah, he'll, he'll come out with that shit. And it's like boyhood. And it's like, oh, God, he's really good. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's either hanging out with, with, with Julie Delphi or he's in vampire movies. <laughs> yeah. All right, so the other side of the coin, adapted screenplay. Uh, nominations here are Black Klansman, uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, Can You Ever Forgive Me, A Star is Born, and The Ballad of Buster Scriggs. This is a category where I really wish I had seen if Beale Street could talk, just because I'm not I'm not crazy about any of the screenplays in this category, really. But uh, I'll vote for Black Klansman. I think it's my favorite of the ones I've seen. Uh, I'll jump in because my vote's the same. It's Black Klansman. A Star Is Born was my number one film of the year, um, and Ballad Buster Scruggs was the the uh, only other one I'd seen, I believe. But um, Black Klansman, I think, had a fairly flawless screenplay. For me, uh, strongest point of that movie, I think, was the screenplay. Uh, no big surprise there. It's Spike Lee, as good of a director as he is, he's a badass fucking writer. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Black Klansman almost as strongly just because the nominees were weaker here, uh, as I went with First Reformed on the original and, side. And even though it hasn't gotten my vote in any other categories, uh, you know, I, I do really like pretty much everything else in A Star Is Born. Probably more than the screenplay. I feel like the screenplay is the the least shining star among all shining star at, you know, aspects of that movie for mm-hmm. me. I hate this kind of scale, but I feel like Black Klansman was kind of like a just sub A plus screenplay the entire way through, and uh, I feel like A Star Is Born deserves a nomination and was second on my list. It had some moments that were kind of eye rolly, and I think a lot of those lines were given to Lady Gaga, which is sort of unfortunate. But it also had some of the best written moments of film I saw this year. Especially like the first 40 minutes. <clears throat> Just the natural dialogue. The dialogue in the... Falling in love with mm-hmm. two. The dialogue in the mental hospital between Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper I thought was mm-hmm. really, really well written. It was so good. And uh, also the my favorite scene of the movie was Sam Elliott and Bradley Cooper in the truck. Uh, when he drops her off in the dialogue. Jesus there, Christ. And it's so good. I read that screen. I read the screenplay for that scene. And it's written out. It's, uh, you know, specifically directing... Sam Elliott to like not ball but like show uh, you know the emotion that he shows uh, 
Whoa, getting chills. That was one of my favorite scenes of the year. Yeah. My vote is also Black Klansman for all the reasons everybody said. <laughs> <laughs> and also just, it's the same thing for my editing thing, editing in the part one, is that, uh, man, this film could have been a slog, but part of the liveliness of it is also due to the screenplay and does a great job keeping all the characters in motion. I don't want to say, speak for everybody, but I feel like this might be the last time we're giving, like, solid praise to Black Klansman on this podcast. Um, I think it's a story that needed to be told, especially right now. It was really well done, and I think it's uh, awesome that a professional director and writer took it on. Mm-hmm. Well, my flag is more than ornamental, and this is the time of year that I make this argument, uh, that I am continuously uh, confounded by what constitutes original versus adapted screenplay. Uh, the slam dunk for me in original screenplay was the one original story. And I know that that's not what original screenplay is. But you've got four movies based on real things happening to real people. <laughs> and then you've got First Reformed. Uh, so for adapted screenplay, I get to have more fun. Um, uh, I agree, echo the sentiments about A Star is Born. Um, and if you loved the love in A Star is Born, fucking see Beale Street. Um, that being said, the strength of Beale Street is in uh, the Barry Jenkins-ness of it and then the acting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is not in screenplay. Um, it still plays like a play that he took off the stage and put in front of the camera, which is fine. Yeah, um, it worked for Moonlight. <laughs> well, well and, and, then my, and then my next comparison where it didn't work, my uh, Mr. Nobody is Fences, where I didn't think it worked. Yeah, um, I would agree. Where I, I, thought, agree. I yeah. thought you, you, you keep it behind the curtain there. So as, as, as the one uh, you know standard bearer for Beale Street... It's not where this uh, its strengths are here, and I agree. Black Klansman is a is a pretty phenomenal uh, story written. Yeah, I, I appreciate the sentiments on Bill Street. Though I, I mm-hmm. felt bad that that movie kind of flew under my radar this year, and that was where I had my my last movie pass go. I was at the theater ready to watch it. Yep, uh, it was the four of us there. Fuck me. Yeah, we walked in to see it. I should have fucking paid the money and seen the goddamn movie. But at some point, principles take over and. Yeah, you go and sit in your car and rage cancel movie pass. Yeah, pretty much, but yeah, no, it's, it's awesome that it was that good. Um, yeah. I I would not be surprised if it steals um, if it steals the win at, at, at the big big. Yeah, Sunday. it's possible. I'm, I'm not to get predictions because that's not what we're doing. I feel right. like this is probably where that where Black Hageman gets its gold. Though you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not going to. Uh, what was the movie last year we didn't see? The screenplay, or the best sporting actor. All the money in the world? Yeah, I'm not going to do that to Bill Street. <laughs> You're not going to blacklist it? Yeah, fuck, I'm never going to watch that movie. I never want to watch that movie. <laughs> fuck you, you didn't want me to see it. So, <laughs> it's your fault. But I love Moonlight, and I love Barry Jenkins, so I'm definitely going to catch this as soon as I can. That one, not as much their fault. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> More. Move back. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I got what you're saying. I thought you were talking about... Why Kevin Spacey didn't move past all the, that all fucking asshole? <laughs> he would run Movie Pass. That is just like him. Movie Pass is actually run by Frank Underwood. Alright, so moving on to acting. In acting, we're starting with the Best Supporting Actor. So the nom- nominations here are Mahershala Ali for Green Book, Richard E. Grant for Can You Ever Forgive Me, Sam Elliott for A Star Is Born, Adam Driver for Black Klansman, and Sam Rockwell in... W. <laughs> in Vice, sorry. David, why don't you lead this one? You haven't led one in a while. Yeah, okay. yeah. And I feel like you have a blank instead of a check mark on this one. 
it is one of those that, that is like that, yes. <laughs> Talking about best supporting actor, I think a lot of people get caught up of when you compare them, it's like this they didn't have enough to do or this person doesn't have enough runtime. But that's the beauty of these categories is the Academy can award, award like five minutes and it can be an Academy Award winning performance. Think Network or Shakespeare in Love. I mean, Judy Dench owns those five minutes and deserved it. Viola Davis in Doubt. Yeah. Fucking phenomenal oh for God. her nine-minute scene. Dude. So someone who does not have a ton of screen time, but owns the time he does and does a great job of delivering to the overall emotional arc for me, is Sam Elliott in A Star is Born. Um, just thinking about, uh, yeah, the, the truck scene is one of the most affecting scenes I've seen all year. And his scenes uh, confronting him and also the scenes of him uh, placating or, you know, making things easy for his for his bad habits, I think are uh, very good. I think he does a great job and that's where the voice comes from, right? Uh, couldn't, couldn't agree more. That's your vote? No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you could agree more. No, I'm... I'm if Chris wasn't here to yell at me, I would say I'm tied here. But before the votes came, uh, I'm happy to hear David vote for Sam Elliott because I want him to win the Oscar. He was he was phenomenal. Uh, I I can't vote against what Mahershala did in Green Book. I think it was so outside of what I've seen him do up until this point as well. I think it showed me that he is general genuinely going to be around for a long time, making fantastic movies and getting nominated for all kinds of fucking shit for a long time. Uh, his scene in the rain. His delivery of the line, I'm not black enough, I'm not white enough, what am I? He was just phenomenal in that movie. I, I, the only thing I might knock him down for a little bit is that I don't think he was supporting uh, in the movie. But, I don't know. It was a, it was two flawless performances for me. Yeah. Uh, and it's really hard to pick between the two. Um, I kind of picked Mahershala just because oh, this sounds weird. I could probably relate a little more to what he was going through, which sounds weird when I'm talking about a black, maybe gay, gay in the movie anyway. Prodigy, when it comes to... But I just felt more connected to him. I think in A Star is Born, I probably felt more connected to the two leads mm-hmm. than I did to Sam Elliott. I would, if I was actually voting for the... I don't know what the fuck I would do if I was actually voting. I would struggle with this one for a long time. The two just ridiculously incredible performances that... A, a huge fan of Adam Driver and Sam Rockwell, mm-hmm. and they got blown out of the fucking water in this category. But I'm gonna I'm gonna vote for Marshall Ali. I, I think he knocked it out of the park in Green Book. I'll go next. I'm voting for Sam Elliott to finally get some Oscar love after all these years. Uh, I, I really I think he did a great job of selling the history behind their relationship in that mm-hmm. movie, and that was. That was the thing I felt most from his performance was the the pain that all these years of trying to manage Jackson Maine not like like manage but like uh-huh. handle no, him yeah manage in the true term right yeah. the weariness of it has it felt like it has really taken a toll on him and that was an incredible job he did for that uh, it that's when that movie felt like too real to me where it felt almost just like I was almost invading what should be a private conversation, especially that scene in the truck. So Sam Elliott, uh, great actor too. It's, I also don't mind weighing in some, some of that too. Although yeah. He would have, he would have, he would have still earned my vote for this. Even if he were sure, even if he won last year for something, I feel like you hit on why I'm picking Mahershala. 
And you talk about a closeness with which Sam Elliott, Smelliot, uh, you know, relates to Jackson. And I think that's kind of the entire movie Green Book. Um, and I think that Green Book's going to get a lot of praise and does get a lot of praise for being a movie about, you know, race relations, about whatever, the you know, Peter Fairley sneaks up, directing Nam in. It's got kind of a rough production history, right? I think it was... I think it was a blacklisted script. Oh, yeah, in that sense, yes. Uh, it was on the blacklist. And, you know, Viggo Mortensen is going to be talked about as the best actor, but this movie is Mahershala Ali. Um, every moment you spend with uh, with Lip and with uh, Doctor Shirley, Doctor yeah. Shirley, is is it's it's intimate. It is it is all thanks to watching the artificial wall of dignity that Mahershala has built up around him as a like, defense crumble to not a white white savior story like. Press, I think that like the Hollywood backlash is wrong. It's bullshit. Yeah, I it's agree. bullshit. They they are looking not at this movie as you know one that their white guilt affects and they have to carry with them, but just as one that that they just don't understand. Um, it is not a buddy comedy. It is not a road trip movie. It's you know it's 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 a movie about. Your stance in society and just being wrong and admitting it. And I think that, that both characters in it do a phenomenal job kind of kind of bearing humility in a way that I don't think that is touchable by Smelliot. I, I, I love his performance in A Star is Born. He's my clear number two. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just to take what you're saying about Green Book 2, I'll, I'll, I was telling Brent last night, that felt like a movie that has been done before, but yeah. it was executed to perfection at every level. Better than most movies that I've tried to do that before. That doesn't make it a best movie of the year. That doesn't put it in my top ten. Nope. Because it's not interesting enough for me to keep my personal attention. But the movie was crazy. And if you put other great black actors in that role, I don't know if it works. I think it needed Mahershala. I think he is why that movie went from really good to great for me. And uh, having said all that, though, I had a virtual tie here. And I'm more than willing to break the uh, tutu here and, and give it to Sam Elliott. Smell it. Smell it. <laughs> Get it right. <clears throat> but, fun talk. Like I said, uh, this is the hardest category for me to pick. I think it was two very deserved winners. If there was a very rare Oscar tie that went down on Sunday, I would not be upset at all. Yeah. It's 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 hard for me. It's it's If you have something like First Reformed, where it's the clear Oscar favorite for screenplay, and the best thing about it is it's screenplay. Everything else about it is okay, but it is a great movie because of the screenplay. Then not giving it best screenplay seems like a shame. Likewise, I think Green Book is, is a good movie. It is made great by Mahershala Ali. Yeah. Uh, that being said, if Sam Elliott takes away the Timbu here, I am not upset. Yeah, I just don't think that Green Book sits anywhere else. I think it is fine. Yeah. I, I follow. <laughs> I, like, I kind of, dis- I I will only disagree in the sense that, like, I might use different terms on Green Book, but I agree with the effect that Mahershala Ali has on that movie. Which sure. is, for me, he makes a, what for me is a, a bad movie tolerable. But with his fantastic performance. Sure. 
and he is yeah. he is Order the best thing degrees. in the movie. He's right. like he's like a sword that plus five to attack. You can right. equip it on anyone, even someone with zero attack. Right. What do you think about David in the movie? I'm just curious. <clears throat> he, well, he's he's my number two. Um, I would just <laughs> disagree with the the notion that we have to give Green Book something. We That's don't have not to what give. I'm saying. I'm saying that the idea that something, the one exceptional thing that pushes it into the conversation that we need to talk about what is great about this movie and what that is for me individually, like like the solo thing about it is Marshall Ali. Is the whole reason why anyone's talking about Green Book this Oscar season. The whole reason why any of us saw it. Otherwise, this would have come and gone like the, like the hate you give. Which is another movie about why racism is bad and why people learn stuff, you right. know, from a from a very surface level. Right. So I'm not saying that it's a shame to not give this to Mahershala Ali. I'm saying that Mahershala Ali is the great thing that elevates this into a discussion of why is this an Oscar movie. While we're talking about it now, it's Mahershala. Right. Okay. So that if we give it to Sam Elliott, I don't think that Green Book is a lesser movie. And I don't think that the Oscars are lesser for it. And I don't think that our talks are irrelevant. I just think that Mahershala is that good. We're going Elliot. I was more just asking because obviously I like talking to you guys about movies. What you thought of Mahershala in Green Book? No, I thought he was, he was pretty fantastic yeah. in it. I, yeah, I agree. Without him, there's not really a movie that's watchable there. I just don't, for me personally, I don't think that that propels him to the best in this category. Sure. I think you can make that probably argument for a lot of the actors we're going to talk about or directors or screenwriters that they deliver one great thing. And sometimes there's just something in, for me that's a little better. Yeah, for sure. I think that, that Sam Elliott fills a really unique role in Stars Born uh, that is also best in show. Um, so I'm absolutely fine with seeing a vote to Sam Elliott here. I also like giving a, a true, I may contradict this next category, giving a true award to an actual supporting performance. Sure. Um, uh, I agree. I, I like doing yeah. that. Yeah, Bob. Uh, Hundred percent agree with that, and not and a, it's something he's done in his entire career outside of the homework we had about a year ago. Um, yeah, the year he's ago. he's a supporting actor, a great you know mm-hmm. character actor. All right, Sam so. Elliott takes it down. Yep, smell it. Smell you later. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so next up we have a best supporting actress nominees. Here are Regina King for If Bill Street Could Talk. Amy Adams for Vice, Rachel Vice for The Favorite, uh, Emma Stone for The Favorite, and Marina de Tavira for Roma. To make things more confusing, I want to suggest that Chris talk about The Favorite in this category, Regina King. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> he's the only one who's seen it, and I want to hear. I was just about to say, like, if Chris tells me I, we should vote for Regina King, I know how much he loves The Favorite. Because you've seen, you've closed the category out, yes? Yes. Okay. So, what you got? Uh. Well, what I got is <laughs> from cinematography up, I've closed the category out. Uh, so nice. I've seen every. Other I do want to mention. I meant to do that earlier in the podcast, Chris. Out of the, there's 106 nominated slots for in the Oscar films that that does not include the short films. Uh, Chris saw 91 of them. 91, which is uh, far more than any of the rest of us, and a lot of that came out of his pocket. So thanks for from from Timbu. Uh, you did really well this year. It will give your perspective. Yeah. Blah. Uh, I'm going to try and hit, I think I said my ceiling is about 100. I think I think there's six I'm going to miss, but nothing I can do about that. Yeah. Three See, those, anybody listening that doesn't know us, we're not famous and we don't get any screeners, so we have to just pay. You yeah. Know, 
Well, we take our girlfriend, so it's 40 bucks to go to see these movies. <laughs> or, for some reason, I'm still paying movie pass because they're still letting me see movies for free. Yeah, I don't know. Good Not job. free, but... Keep, yeah, keep it up. So, speaking of a movie that I saw on movie pass that you didn't see, uh, God, Bill Street. Damn it. Um... <laughs> uh, there is, it's, it's one scene. That is, that is honestly the truth about this. It is one scene, and it is, uh, so. Is she, like, in the movie? Like, or is it, like, a Viola Davis doubt kind of? Uh, she's in the movie. Okay. She, so she, she plays, um, the, and you know I'm bad with character names. And by you, I mean everyone who's listening and knows, like, Chris is bad at character names. <laughs> uh, but so she plays the mother um, of the woman in the film. Is that Tish? Tish. So she plays the mother of Tish. Whose um, husband has been imprisoned. Yeah, whose, whose husband is uh, Fonsi. Yeah. Uh, and the scene is uh, Tish tells her that She's pregnant. And this is in the opening, you know, scene in the movie. And she goes, well, we've got to tell your dad. And we've got to call, you know, Fonzie's family to come over. And they're upstanding, like, tight-ass church people. And there is a confrontation that happens between the two families where typically, you know, the mother is this, like, kind of copacetic, laid back, like, whatever. Let's, like, mend fences uh, until the uh, church wench starts talking shit about Tish, like kind of calling her a slut, saying that she like doesn't live in the light of God, and Regina King just fucking dials up so hard and monologues, and it is the most satisfying moment uh, when she slaps the shit out of this woman. <laughs> it sounds like such a good like moment written for Regina King, just too. like. Just like an underutilized actress in her career. That's fun. Just like full across, and then the woman falls down, and then starts saying she's having a heart attack, <laughs> and like she needs to call 911, and just like, like, damn, you killed this woman, putting her in her place. Were uh, people laughing at the theater, at least? No, it was, was it like, it was shot? like World Star, not like, not the racial stereotype, but because <laughs> someone got slapped and the audience went, oh! It was a <laughs> Away, like cheer. It was. It's. It's phenomenal. And and the monologue that she gives for it is just is just really heartfelt. Um, written by a pretty good screenwriter too. So I guess, yeah. yeah. Uh, and on top of that, you know, she does play this, a support role for it. I mean, this movie is acting. Like that's both. That's what Barry Jenkins elevates. Um, is he frames his actors phenomenally? Um, but. I'm fine with a standalone vote for Beale Street. You guys haven't seen it. I don't expect you to vote for it. I don't want you to vote for it having not seen it. Um, but uh, Regina King is great. Uh, if Brian Tyree Henry were on the table for supporting actor, uh, I would be in a hard spot there too. I nice. just I just think that there is a that's good to know. There is a there is a way that Mahershala Ali won his Oscar for Moonlight, and it was. Almost less him uh, after seeing Beale Street. It's just a it's just a, a great actor's director uh, behind the camera here, um, and Regina King is more than just that scene. She's she's still, I mean, she is that steadfast rock that that mother that Marina de Tavira wishes she could have portrayed um, within the fiction of the story Roma. Um, she's just great. 
Uh, I'm going to jump in if y'all don't mind, because I think I might be an outlier here. Um, not as sure as Chris was that he was an outlier. Um, <laughs> I actually had Amy Adams at number one for a long time, and she ended up today at number four for Vice, which is the bottom of my list since I haven't seen Bill Street. Um, I was really impressed with Marina de Tavera in Roma. Um it may be a personal thing that, you know, between the four of us, I'm the only one who's dealt with. I thought she did an incredible job of faking happiness to kids going through a divorce. Right. Um, I was really impressed with that and how she was so quickly able to turn off and on. I'm fine. Shit's horrible. Uh, and Cleo gave her a very like good out there. And we'll get into that later when we talk about best picture and best actress. Um, Emma Stone, I had it number two, even though maybe going to kind of echo what David was saying earlier, he might go against himself coming up here. Um, she was, if she's a guy in that, if she's male in that film, she's nominated for Best Lead Actor. Uh, there's no reason for her to be nominated for Best Supporting Actress. I think that's kind of bullshit. I think they knew what they had in Olivia Coleman, and they stayed away with that. Uh, my number one in my vote is the Supporting Actress of the Best Active Movie of the Year, and it's Rachel Weisz is my vote. Um, she played the villain turned, like, anti-hero? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Really well. Um, She's definitely the most sympathetic character, at least at, at one point. At the end. I mean, they they, they, yeah, they they do a really good job in the favorite of making you really root for Emma Stone and then really fucking hate Emma Stone mm-hmm. at the end of that film. Both actors do a great job playing opposite arcs that way. Yeah. And, and when I say best actor, I want to throw some love to Nicholas Holt. He was really good in that movie, and I can't remember his name right now. The creator of Sherlock, Marcus. Yeah, he was really good. The sporting actors were all really good in that film. Yeah, um, but Rachel Weisz gets my vote here. Rachel Weisz for the favorite. <laughs> Got a fun little trivia question on this category. Do you know who the oldest nominee is in this category? Titanic Lady, Ruby. No, no, no. This in this year? category, for no, right now, American Gangster Lady. Ruby. No, this year, no, this, this year, year. Oh, not this, this category. Among these five, this year, oh, among yeah. these five. Sorry. Um, Regina King's 52, I think. I would guess... Chris Gessman, Regina King, Amy Adams. I'm going to guess which Weiss. Uh, I would have guessed um, Regina King. Uh, the answer is Rachel Weiss. Rachel mm-hmm. Weiss mm-hmm. is uh, 48, 49. Yeah, she wasn't like super young when The Mummy came out Yeah, 20 years ago. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm voting TJ's tidbit, the mummy. Go see it. <laughs> Sally, I have not seen Regina King. And I'm, I'm not. I don't really have a runaway favorite in this category, but I'm going to vote for a uh, my favorite unenthusiastic hand job of the year, Emma Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Emma Stone. I, I just seen. particularly just liked her in that movie um, a little more than Rachel Weisz, although they were both great. I got David. a real Queen Anne situation here. <laughs> you got well, to let me ask Brent something real quick. So, on your original song thing, which I totally support of not voting for songs that aren't in the film, like in the film, mm-hmm. um, do you not have a problem with supporting... Do you think she was a supporting actress? No, I think there... No, because... But I've, this is the thing I kind of just have to get over, because it's like... I mean, Anthony Hopkins is great in Silence of the Lambs, though he is clearly a supporting actor. And I don't disagree, but okay, I follow. I mean, he's you know eleven minutes of screen time. Yeah, I don't. I don't think screen time is something that I hold. You know, I don't. It's is, it's Supreme Court porn thing. Like you know, you see it kind of. For me, it's the third main argument about Harry Lyme, Orson Welles. You see him like 
over an hour into the movie, but the entire movie is about him. Mm-hmm. Right. So he he gives a lead performance in that respect. Did you say Marlon Brando yeah. gives a lead in Apocalypse Now? Yeah. Ooh, so then, so then, can we put it on too? So then, should we put a pin in Rachel Weisz too being eligible? I think Emma Stone is more of a lead than Rachel Weisz is. Uh, Rachel Weisz disappears for thirty minutes of that movie. I'm not. I'm not saying that is the uh-huh. case or not. But if the argument is third man or the intent of the movie and the plot driver versus screen time, then how is not the crisis between the two lovers of Olivia Coleman not make them both leads also? Well, I would disagree about Harry Lyme, so you can't ask me that, I guess. Oh, well, you can, but I can't. <laughs> right, I'm going to. Right. <laughs> I, I would say, I, I would. your point is invalid with me. I guess for the answer the, for my question that you asked me was... Uh, does the category head affect you in acting? At all? It doesn't affect me as okay. much in that. It irritates me in acting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> sure. As much as screenplay irritates me. Right. Yes. <laughs> right, right, right. Like right, right. J.K. Simmons in Whiplash is a lead character. I think one of two lead characters 100%. in that movie. Yeah. And it irritated me that he got to just so easily. If dominate. it was a female drummer, he would have been nominated for best actor. Right. Yeah. So it, it's irritating, but it's. It's at the same time, I just sort of accept that that's how it's nominated. Sure. Because they still do affect the movie. They they affect, their performances affect my enjoyment of the movie, regardless of how the Academy classifies them. Whereas a movie that's, pl- a song that's played over end credits does not affect my enjoyment of the movie sure. at all. So gotcha. that's, that's how I separate them. Maybe we should have best performance in a drama, best performance in a comedy, best perform, best supporting performance in a drama, best supporting performance in a comedy... And best use of Tom Cruise's body. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David. <laughs> Sorry, pick David. your favorite. Hijack your shit there. Uh, uh, this is one of the ones that I had written beforehand, Split the so you guys did not uh, influence me. Split nice. Although I found your arguments compelling. <laughs> uh, Rachel Weiss. Nice is my favorite. I think they do the best job, uh, and she does the best job covering up what her arc really is. She's a like kind of an abject villain, and I think that's kind of an acting challenge there to be able to curry favor later on. You know, part of it is what Emma Stone is doing. Um, I think she does, I know screen time is one thing, but I think she does support the main performance more than she is the lead. She, uh, she dips out, but she also, all of her actions are in concert or like an effect from the lead. For me. She did a great job. In the beginning of that movie, the first half hour or so, I was convinced that she was power hungry. Mm-hmm. And then right. you realize, slowly, and I think this is credit to her and the screenwriters, that she is not power hungry. She realizes that the queen is pretty bad at her job. Mm-hmm. And that she needs to protect the country by doing all the shit she's doing to make sure that somebody who's got half a wit can, you know... right. Call the shots. There's there's a strength in the portrayal of the character that she does, where she is taking on the dual role of loving Queen Anne, while still trying to lead the country, loving her country and loving her country. Whereas Emma Stone's character is purely nefarious. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, at the end she's pure evil. Well, I think even in the beginning. Well, yeah, we know <laughs> from the end. Yes, right. yes, and, and that, she is fantastic in the movie, Brent. And anybody who loved Emma Stone in that film, she's mm-hmm. really, yeah. really good. But I'll go with the more supporting character in this category. Cool. Yep. Bristol Weiss, best supporting actress. All right, next we have a lead actor. Um, nominations are Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody, Christian Bale for Vice, Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born, 
Viggo Mortensen for Green Book, and Willem Dafoe for At Eternity's Gate. I'm not going to pitch it, but I'm going to say I saw At Eternity's Gate. Willem Dafoe is good. He plays against type, not what Willem Dafoe normally does. It's a very uh, like lilted performance of like the tortured genius who is uh, just kind of dying for human affection, um, literally. And uh, I think he is a um, a great turn uh, from him in a movie that is otherwise pretty unremarkable. Uh, I think that the cinematography is interesting, but. Uh, you know, to kind of like kick this away from any uh, you know future watch list that we end up recording, uh, just to say that Attorney's Gate is probably uh, a mediocre movie with a good performance by Willem Dafoe, which is nowadays unsurprising. Sure. Uh, I think Willem Dafoe is it's just like <coughs> you know, like again top of his class, and I love to see a lead acting nomination for him. Um, but. Yeah, mediocre movie with a great performance. So he's filling the Denzel Washington slot for the year. <laughs> right. uh, very uh, surprise nomination. I I love that we get to talk about Willem Dafoe year after year because he is uh, a, a treasure and and embodies uh, Van Gogh in a way that um, I don't think I remember seeing since last year. Um, nice. In loving Vincent, I was making a joke. I'm tired of Vincent <laughs> Van Gogh movies. Uh, but so that's the it's at attorney's gate. I don't know if I'm if I want to pitch right now for my pick. So um, I'll go with my pick because two of y'all hadn't seen it. Um, my number one film of the year was A Star Is Born. Bradley Cooper was phenomenal on camera, um, and I honestly didn't know how that was going to be upset uh, by anybody this year. And then me and Chris went and saw Vice, and Christian Bale is phenomenal. And the main thing I'll say about Vice is you have movies like Walk the Line or like this year, Bohemian Rhapsody, where you get uh, impressions that are obviously impressions. Mm-hmm. I never looked at Bohemian Rhapsody and saw Freddie Mercury. I was always looking at Robbie Malek. I never thought that was Johnny Cash and got confused. I knew that was, you know, Joaquin Phoenix doing a good job acting, but not. Uh, it was fucking Dick Cheney, man. I mean, it was ridiculous how much it was Dick Cheney. Um,. He's honestly become one of the actors that I would kind of start comparing to Daniel Day-Lewis and how good he is and what he does, uh, especially with his method of method acting. Um, Christian Bale gets my vote. Uh, it's close with Bradley Cooper, but I'll vote Bale. I'll go next. I unfortunately haven't seen Vice, and I feel like that could be a, obviously a strong contender for it's me. real divisive. <laughs> <laughs> um I haven't seen Eternity's Gate, and, uh... Don't I, worry, it's not gonna crack anyone's number one. And I'll try not to talk about the other two nominees, because it'll probably just wind up shitting all over there. <laughs> I mean, Rami Malek's not bad. It's, to me, it came off as more of like a, oh, wow, that's a really good Freddie Mercury impression. Yeah. Like, but there was no point in the movie where I felt any, like, dramatic depth to what he was doing on screen, other than just, like, boy, he is really working through those prosthetic teeth. Like, he is doing a good job with it. Um... And then, actually, really disliked Vigo in Green Book. I he folded was, that whole pizza. I thought it was in half. I thought it was like a classic example of of like way overacting to me. But that's just you know as much as I like Mahershala in that movie, uh, Vigo sort of balanced it out in the opposite direction for me. So Bradley Cooper is sort of an, an easy vote for me, even though I don't know. I don't know how he would stack up in other years, but uh, as far as what I've seen this year. 
and the nominated uh, actors at least, by far the best for me. I'm going to also go Bradley Cooper. Um, very transformative performance for him. I'm a big uh, Bradley Cooper fan. He's got a lot of nominations. Loved him in Silver Linings Playbook, man. And his old comedy stuff, he's so good in Wedding Crashers. Wedding Crashers, he's And again, really good. comedies are underrated. But I think he just, uh, I think he digs into a whole new depth of pathos with Jackson Maine there. And you just think of some, like, acting performances that are instantly iconic that everyone imitates them. I think of, like, Daniel Day-Lewis in uh, no, and, um, There Will Be Blood is, is kind of a famous one, or Anton Chigurh that same year is... He obviously created a indelible performance sure. there, and uh, man, there's someone on the other half of that uh, Sam Elliott truck leaving scene, and it's Bradley Cooper's pitching at a hundred. Yep, <laughs> there's a really interesting hurdle that all of these actors, except for Willem Dafoe, uh, had to jump, and it was uh, a rough accent to learn um, <laughs> across the board yeah. from from Moloch and the prosthetic teeth and Bale and the talking on the side of his mouth like Chester Cobblepot and from Batman <laughs> uh, to uh, uh, Bradley Cooper imitating Sam Elliott imitating uh, who was the country star I was going to say Tom Waits no that was wrong <laughs> uh, and then Viggo Mortensen playing a racist piece of white bread uh, <laughs> but I think that the Vice struggles for me as a movie that I didn't love um, but it's not Christian Bale's fault, uh, and I think that, that he really does kind of hammer the nail in for Dick Cheney, and is the part that is kind of comes up unscathed from all of my criticisms of the movie, uh, and it feels disingenuous to not pick him on a personal level uh, as my favorite acting performance of the five that I can pick. Ethan Hawke, rest in peace, because uh, you'd be here for me. But, uh, yeah, Christian Bale's Dick Cheney is just like, if, if I never heard Dick Cheney speak again, the voice in my head for Dick Cheney would be Christian Bale's performance. Yeah. It is, if, if Bradley Cooper is impersonating a country legend, uh, Dick Cheney forever will impersonate Bradley, uh, Christian Bale's performance (laughs) of him in Vice. I got that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It's, it's, I mean, Adam McKay talked about the struggle of casting Sam Rockwell as George Bush because he thought that Will Ferrell did such, we use the word indelible, like an indelible performance of George W. Bush that could never be topped, that could never be, it wasn't a caricature, it was just such a real embodiment of them. And I think that uh, it's it's true from here forth for Christian Bale as uh, Dick Cheney. So, I'm creating a tie. I'm totally willing to... Flip in the future to Bradley Cooper. If once y'all two see Vice, you neither one of you think that Christian Bell delivers a better performance, because I'm pretty sure one of you will. Wait, what? So, <laughs> so what do we do tonight? So you give us Christian Bale. Y'all both watch Vice. Some point in the future, if you both think Bradley Cooper delivers a better performance, we'll go back and change the record books. To Bradley Cooper, <laughs> but there's no way that we're gonna flip when y'all haven't seen the movie. A weird negotiation. Yeah. This, this well, is, I mean, the other way is to just stay here all right. <laughs> to one of y'all this, this is one of those hard access point problems where I think had you seen Vice, you were either on the side with TJ where you love the movie and you think that it is 
one of the 10 or 12 best movies of the year. And it is a really great, efficient piece of storytelling about something that we think we know a lot about, but this is a great lens towards it. Or you're in my camp and you go, I didn't like it. Like, it was fine. It was fun. It was interesting. But nothing can take away from the fact that Christian Bale was phenomenal in the role. You're in a hot spot, hard spot. Which makes, I mean, I get that. We you, are, can't, you can't argue against this, you know what I mean? Yeah, we may have to just trust our talkie talk brethren here, and that they saw both of them, and that we respect their opinion, and they made a dug-in choice that they're not going to clear from. And it also says a lot that TJ is uh, yet again picking against his favorite movie of the year. So, like, like for you to... I will also say this is the farthest, the farthest, or the farthest, that <laughs> TJ and I diverge in our opinion about a movie that we saw in the 2018 run. And you both saw this the same way, this right. performance. So, yeah. So I'm our, fine with that. Our view would gauge somewhere in between them, but they're both <laughs> overwhelmingly for male. Now I want to it's switch pretty... supporting actress over to Regina King for the same reason. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that future future stuff broke my mind a little bit. There. Except I actually We're in the end game now, David. <laughs> I actually told you guys not to vote for Bill Street. That's true. For Regina King. This is, you said don't vote for the thing you haven't seen. I was honestly hoping that you guys would split somewhere, although there's no room for you to split. That's the problem with this category. Nobody's Maybe, close to those two. Nobody's close to those two. By by a mile. Right. Yeah. None but, of us really loved Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh and that hurts our options. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I think there are lots of male lead performances that we would like on this list. If you take out movies you haven't seen and take out movies that you, you know, wish you could have, wish you could forget. Um, but this is what we got. So is Cooper both your guys number two? Oh yeah. If Ethan Hawke was here, what would it break down? He'd be my number Hawk. three. Number one for me. Hawke would be my number one or two. I can't decide right now. Just curious. What about you? Tell you, tell you what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to vote for Christian Bale, but I'm going to write in a vote for Ethan Hawke. <laughs> so you don't, you don't, you don't okay, so lend your two, vote. Okay, so one and protest vote. Two, one, two, one, protest. Right. <laughs> We're opening up. We're setting a bad precedent here. <laughs> I'm not voting for original screenplay. Also, we have to restart hey, the podcast because I just started thinking about protest write-ins. <laughs> All right, so uh, Christian Bell takes it because of protest votes and uh, future <laughs> promises. <laughs> Something uh, happened. Like you do. It's like a really complicated NBA mid-season trade. <laughs> The rest of these I could just do simple check marks, but this one has like a whole bunch of notations to it. Alright, we'll close our acting with lead actress. We got Glenn Close and the wife. We have <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Olivia Coleman in the favorite, Lady Gaga in The Star is Born, Yelitsa Aparicio in Roma, and Melissa McCarthy in Can You Ever Forgive Me? I I was wrong when I said I'd see everything I'm above. I forgot about that and I forgot about Pavel, but Oh right. <laughs> Um, I'll let y'all defend it if any of y'all vote for her, but my vote here is going to Olivia Coleman in the favorite. I think it was the performance uh, of the year as far as actresses go. I agree. I'm also Olivia Coleman. In a, uh, you know, you could basically a three-hander with less screen time. I think she dominates in much the way, uh, not to compare to Hannibal Lecter, but uh, dominates without screen time. Yeah. And, 
it does the fantastic job of, of killing the comedy and just <laughs> so good and just being the decaying bleeding heart of the movie that's, that it sorely needs that's that to me is like so impressive that by the end of the movie she is like devastated by gout has had like multiple strokes and at that point in the movie she is running the country better than ever before yeah. As like a as a facade of her former physical peak, I am mm-hmm. uh, also vote for Olivia Coleman. Uh, for me, the the ranking breaks down: Coleman, Gaga, Close, Aparicio, and then didn't see McCarthy. Coleman four for four. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all already said why. Great, <laughs> great grill, let great it, actress. Let do what do. <laughs> you know, you know where it do. <laughs> All right, Libby Coleman. Well job. Well job. <laughs> well job. Uh, David doesn't... Well job, Brain. You're still, th- you're still thinking about There Will Be Blood. No country for old men. All right, Libby Coleman. <laughs> I don't know which one. Confused. Where is Duke? All right, we got to land this plane. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a well job man. Two categories left. The big, Some of the biggies left. We have Best Director... Here we have Alfonso Cuaron for Roma, Spike Lee for Black Klansman, Yorgos Lanthimos for The Favorite, Adam McKay for Vice, and Paul Pawlikowski for Cold War. Pavel Pawlikowski. You made that name up. Pawlikowski. I will not be going with him because I did not see that movie. Me neither. He doesn't want us to see his movie. He doesn't want me to see it. Yeah. Whoever owns the, the rights to these, these movies have to be submitted by October 1st. Uh, so yeah. there's... Tons of fucking time to release this wide, and they just don't. Yeah. They wait until after the Oscar run, and then they release them like late March. And I just this 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 might be the movie that's dead to me, like all the money in the world. I just want to see it. I want to see it really bad. Yeah. No. <laughs> Fine then. Never never look away. What is that? The German. Sure, one? that one can be dead. That that movie is dead to me because Aww. it is a three hour and eighteen minute. Uh, German movie that is 75% black and white. But the cinematographer is Zoe Deschanel's dad. Caleb Deschanel. Mm. In a German movie. That's weird. Cool. Not really. (laughs) Anyway, how about this category? (laughs) Movies we've seen. (laughs) Okay. okay. (laughs) So I've only seen three of these, so I have a clear top three. (laughs) Uh... I guess number three, I would probably go Yorgos Lanthimos. Big fan of the movie, but I think uh, the one of the winning things is like his weirdness is kind of reined in by the cinematography and the screenplay. Neither of which he has a hand in. So I and you know he does have a hand in the acting, obviously guiding those performances. But uh, you know those performances are nothing like I've ever seen in a Yorgos Lanthimos movie. I must then conclude that uh, his contribution arbitrarily. Is not as big as some of these other guys. My number two is uh, Spike Lee, Black Klansman. Great, I think, better on the screenplay uh, than the direction. But uh, Spike Lee does get some great Spike stuff in there that really makes a lot more sense within the frame of the movie than it does in a lot of other movies. Uh, it's some of the the best Spike being Spike I've seen in a long time. And uh, then uh, not by default, but he did a pretty great job. Alfonso Cuarón for Roma. Um, I had a, I need to watch it again. I, I had a problem kind of connecting to the characters a lot, but as far as like a piece of moving art, man, 
uh, Alfonso Cuaron can do a good job. Well job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I agree. Uh, well job, Alfonso Cuaron. Um, I'm about the same with the addition of the one movie that I saw that you didn't uh, being my fourth favorite director down there with Adam McKay. Alfonso Cuaron really created a piece of cinema that uh, it's, it's unnecessary for you to relate to a character because it puts you in the role of observer um, in the city. Like that's, we, we've talked about it, you know, now for you know two and a half hours. Uh, that what Roma does well is it puts you in the city with the sights and sounds. It creates, you know, the world around you, and that is the phenomenon of Roma. It is less about the individual acting. It is less about, you know, the the the, the kind of the the narrative that that unweaves. It's it's about just like living and breathing uh, what is essentially Coron's childhood. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of the struggle he went through. Uh, that being said, all the you know hyperbole and flowery language, um, I just really love this movie for a few like strong choices it makes, um, and it's being kind of omniscient in its in its direction, uh, in in playing from the perspectives of you know at times. The mother, the children, uh, the, the the housekeepers, the help to like you know the naked karate man in the hotel room, like all that's like a lot of fun. And f- the flavor that Quaron gets to add to a story he's telling about his childhood, um, I think is just uh, a great move. Um, I, I love Roma for reasons that is hard to explain. Um, in that. Uh, it felt like the least fairy tale fairy tale movie I watched this year in that it put me in a place that was just like magical realism and I don't know what more how many more buzzwords I can say um I agree I agree I think that's it is hard to describe what I loved about Roma so much um because it is more it's just the experience of watching Roma that I love so much and that's a weird it's I feel like that's a it almost feels like a cheap cop out answer of just like well I just love the experience of watching it but it really is that like it's it's I can't maybe pick out all the trees in this forest that I just adored so much um Cordon's getting my vote again it, I think from my votes in a lot of other categories I'm giving him credit for you know the I love the cinematography the production design yeah. the, the sound mixing and I, I think uh, I was really impressed with the way he oversaw everything about this movie uh, not just from its creation and the, the story behind it, and but through the execution of it as well. It was really impressive. Yeah, I've got Spike Lee fourth, Adam McKay third, Yoris Lanthimos second, but none of that fucking matters because this is a masterclass in filmmaking from Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen a movie shot that well <laughs> in such a subdued way. Um, it was just fucking gorgeous. It's a, a very special movie. Yeah, black and white movie being like that gorgeous, like being the you know that's that's great. Yeah, you did it, Alfonso. Yeah, <laughs> finally <laughs> <laughs> done. Well, job, mom. Spaghetti. Yep. So now we're in the big Kahuna category of best picture. <clears throat> we have eight nominees here. We have uh, all of them aforementioned: Roma, Green Book, Black Klansman, The Favorite, A Star Is Born, Black Panther. Vice and Bohemian Rhapsody for some reason. <laughs> uh, we might get into preferential a little bit, um, a little later. 
I'll start here if nobody minds. My pick here is a movie that I think was was super special. Connected to me personally in a way that I feel like it probably didn't connect to a lot of people personally. And the movie was done so well that I think it still you know, garners nominations and people still generally enjoyed it. I think it shows that women are um, still today victims in the way they're treated and the way they have to walk through life. And they're also heroes. And I think that's super important now and uh, will continue to be for a long time. Uh, I also think it's a movie that echoes my views in the fact that family is something you find and earn and not something you're given. And uh, my pick here is Roma. It was one of the best movies I've seen in a very, very long time. And uh, I think most of that is due to my director choice and Alfonso Cuaron. He was incredible in what he did. Uh, the The subtle acting from Aparizia is phenomenal. And I was very impressed with the supporting actress uh, as well. Um, but the little touches he made to the groom and the wedding at the bar when they're at the beach, kind of tugging on the wedding dress in the background, uh, really impressed me and how much that movie deals with women and the cards they're dealt and how they still have to be there to save the day. And they constantly do. And, uh, it's a very important film and a very special film. And it was fucking incredible. <laughs> Uh, and it's my pick here for number one. Roma was missing one thing, and that was Mike Myers winking at the camera and making jokes <laughs> about Wayne's World. Uh, I think we could have used a little bit of that in Roma, but despite that not being there, you know, they uh, they didn't nominate any of my, I think, top three movies from my top ten this year. So Cowards didn't I nominate know. Paddington 2. <laughs> Paddington 2, Mission Paddington. Impossible, Fallout, and 8th Grade would have made this a much more difficult uh, category for me. Uh, the movies I had not seen when we did our top ten wound up being, in my opinion, mostly dog shit. So, uh, <laughs> the ones I've caught up on. Um, so, as a result, I'm going with the, the highest ranked movie off my top ten, which was, I think, my number four movie of the year, uh, Roma. And I think TJ put it very eloquently, what's great about Roma. So, pass on further comments. <laughs> I've also been like... Singing praises of Roma for the I was like crying while watching Roma like four hours ago. So sorry. (laughs) I got a little. There's so many. There's (laughs) everything about that movie was moving, and it's the movie that really just kept staying with me for so long. So what you got? Again, uh, also my top four not represented here. No annihilation or anything. No (laughs) Sally. I had trouble. I didn't really. A lot of these movies I never really uh, didn't emotionally connect to. Roma's a technical masterpiece, but I never found an emotional uh, entry in there that felt uh, genuine to me. So I can't go with Roma. I'm going to have to go with uh, the movie that was uh, highest rated for me, and I think would still be my choice, is uh, The Favorite. I don't know what to say other than I just really liked it. I think it does a great job with um, balancing acting. I give, I guess I gave Yogurt's Life most shit for directing. <laughs> but from a visual standpoint, cinematography, all that stuff, and just, man, does it do a great job. The, uh, the, the screenplay balancing the multiple arcs that are in the air. Um, it's just from beginning to, from tip to tail, production design, costumes, it's like up there with all of my 
categories I have, and I don't know, I just like the favorite. <laughs> it's my favorite. Chris, what you got? Well, I mean, you remember what my number one movie of the year was, right? Right. It was the favorite. Right. Mm-hmm. So, when David announced that his least emotionally connected moment of the year was when he watched Roma, I was like, well, fuck, David, I was relying on you <laughs> to not make me create the tie. Um, but then I kind of forecasted it back when we did our top ten and picked the favorite. I think it's still on you. So, yeah, my number one movie is, is combatively still the favorite. It is... You know, I talk about Beale Street and how it is a it is a great frame for great acting. I think that the favorite is that to the nth degree in a way that there's it is hard to find the cracks in the armor of this. And when we discuss Mission Impossible, Mission Impossible Fallout, and say what did this movie do wrong as a fantastic action movie, I'm in this similar position thinking about what did the favorite do wrong as, and then I have a litany of answers. Of, of ways to end that sentence as a comedy, as a drama, as a period piece, as a satire. And it just, that it fills so many roles for me uh, is just what makes it, uh, you know, the Swiss Army knife that I'll carry with me for the rest of the year. That being said, Rome was my number two, so we don't have to go to preferential ballot. Favorite is my number three. I was going to say, I was born as two. What's your number two, Brent? Uh, my number two is Black Klansman. Nice. Same. The movie just is. Oh, nice. Even awesome. though, even though I didn't, I wasn't, I didn't adore that movie when it came out, and I still have like a few tiny like issues with it. I'm getting, I'm finding myself getting past them and enjoying the bulk of the movie that I love more. Yeah, fun. Like, yeah, there are it's moments a fun way to, when you watch movies. As somebody who watches a ton of movies, it's mm-hmm. fun to have that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like I still feel there. There are moments in the movie where Spike Lee treats me like an idiot as the viewer and has to spell things out for me. Because he probably thinks you are. Yeah, right. you know what I mean. And so, like, I understand that's a style of filmmaking, sure. and that's always been his style. And part of the reason I didn't vote for him for best director is because Spike Lee is typically the my least favorite part of Spike Lee movies. Right, but he he makes good movies regardless. But Black Klansman just sort of keeps rising for me. I think uh, Stars Born is probably three for me. And then uh, another movie that just sort of keeps sneaking up on me is Black Panther. I really like that movie. And uh, I would probably have the favorite fifth. Where'd you have Roma? Uh, fourth. Okay. I had uh, Stars Born above it. Okay. Is there any chance Stars Born... Where do you have Stars Born? Third. Is there any chance Stars Born beats Roma? For no. preferential out? You've got two first place and then it's one second place. That'll seal it. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. So if we eliminate... You can't eliminate because there's... You can't have equal number. It just doesn't happen. Right, 50% right. of the Academy doesn't go for one movie and 50% go for the other. Right. It's just That's the only instance where you can't use preferential ballot to but, figure it much, out. But, sure. but then, so then what the voting we would use is called first past the post. Mm-hmm. And that's the way they used to vote. Okay. Um, and that's the same thing. Is, is Alright, now that we have our first places, what are the highest rankings from people who didn't vote at first? Gotcha. And then you tabulate that. And if someone has an overwhelming majority of second place votes, then their first place vote carries. I don't fully understand the system. However, I, I was listening. Black very, won. I was listening. <laughs> listening <laughs> number two very intently to make sure that uh, Green Book or Bohemian Rhapsody did not win. Because if they, if some <laughs> if something in this process led to Bohemian Rhapsody winning, I'll be like, okay, never mind. Fuck Roma. I'm I'm fine with choosing any other movie. David, do you have your order date? I do. At uh, 8, I just have a blank spot because I haven't seen Vice. Okay. Um, right. 7, Bohemian Rhapsody. Same. 6, Green Book. Same. 5, Black Panther. 4, Roma. 3, A Star is Born. 2, Black Klansman. 1, Favorite. It's funny how like different movies can affect, you know, can, can hit people differently because 
you know, the issue you had with Roma is kind of the issue I had with the favorite, which is as entertaining as it was, I just didn't feel real connected to it in the same way that you could appreciate Roma for its mm-hmm. its technical proficiency. You weren't very connected. I can see that for, you know, both movies. Yeah, it's totally. And that's also something that I, I know all four of us agree. Like, if a movie doesn't connect with you personally, there's the movie is at no fault. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Maybe like, I give it a future vote because I did need to no, no, no more future, no negotiation of future. Well, votes no, I mean you have to. Not that I'm saying like I went through hell or whatever, but you have to like go through some shit for those movies to connect with you. Like, I think one of the reasons I like *The Star Is Born* so much and it's number two on my like my rankings. Uh, like I've gone through a very minute amount of the shit that Jackson Man was going through, and it's so hard when it keeps piling on. You know what I mean? Right. Bradley Cooper did such a good job of conveying that uh, behind of and in front of the camera. Right. Um, but I, I saw so much shit in Roma that there was no way in hell I could ignore it. Like I said, I have to watch it again. Just some of the, the emotional stuff they do. Uh, obviously, it's completely foreign to me. Uh, the one thing I have had is had a kid. I think some of the humanity they try to get you, I think they shortcut a little bit and maybe manipulate a little bit. But maybe it's just how it hit me on that day. Right. I still gave it cinematography for my vote in director and just Yeah, sure. Huge Alfonso. You gotta say it's so. not great. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Brent, curious what your ordered eight is. Uh so I think it gave you my top five. You did. So then your bottom three. Bottom Green Book is next. You haven't seen Vice. So it's it's blank spot for Vice. Seventh is Bo- Bohemian Rhapsody. Sixth is Green Book. Fifth is Favorite, fourth is Black Panther, three is A Star is Born, two is Black Klansman. I'm surprised you didn't put Bohemian Rhapsody below the blank space for Vice. I actually <laughs> floated that last night to TJ when we were talking about, just like, I said, hey, just on principle, can I can I just think that like something that I've never seen is better than Bohemian Rhapsody? <laughs> because, I mean, I haven't wasted two hours on Vice, so it, that's got that going for me, you know? <laughs> Even if I even if I hate Vice, I at least have never wasted hours on it. Yeah, my top eight were uh, Bohemian Rhapsody at number eight, Black Panther at seven, Green Book at six, Black Klansman at five, Vice the favorite, A Star Is Born, and Roma. Nice. I was Borat at eight, Vice at seven, uh, Black Black Panther at six, Green Book at five. Clansman and Stars Born. Clansman and Stars Born Roma favorite. I know my friends. <laughs> yeah. It's tough. It's tough. For for people to say this is a bad year for movies, I'm looking at six here that at it least stuck up here. on me. I've been saying that as recently as two weeks ago. Well, um, we've been telling you to watch Roma for a long I time. I know, it's totally my fault. <laughs> I totally put all that burden on myself. It was, uh, I, I, you watch I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Hours I'm not gonna say I'm upset that I didn't watch it earlier because it was very upsetting to watch. <laughs> it's hard to gear up for it. It took me three watches to get through. Um, but thing. goddamn, it was good. Naked karate in the hotel room is by far the most hilarious scene. Yeah, in a movie with not a lot of funny moments. No. <laughs> All hey. right. We ended that podcast. We, we are ending this. So, Crowned a uh, champion. Yeah. Did we? Well, we can figure out uh, which movie won the most Timboos uh, later. But um, congratulations to all the winners. Uh, if you want to come receive your Timboos, just let us know. 
Like, give us, like, seven to ten business Here's, things we're going to order one. <laughs> All you have to do is show up next Sunday at 10 a.m. at this address. Beep! <laughs> Final tally, David. How'd the movies do? Final tally, uh, the leading movies is a tie. Got three apiece. We really spread the love here. Felt like it. Yeah. <laughs> give, us the, give us the threes. Okay, the threes are Roma had three, uh, foreign language director, best picture, favorite had three, uh, or actress, uh, supporting actress, and cinematography, and Black Panther had three, score, production design, and costume design. Fun. Oh, that's a somewhat kind of accurate spread for next yeah. Sunday. Maybe. And then we have two for Vice, two for Stars Born, two for Black Klansman, two for First Man. Kind of a nice little spread there. Nice. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, this has been Talkie Talk Podcast for the Media by Us. You can check out our site at themediabyus.com. Please engage with us on our Facebook groups, Games by Us, Movies by Us, and TV by Us. You can uh, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating, and uh, tweet tweet with us. Gmail, you know where to find us. You know where to do. And, <laughs> just give uh, Gmail. <laughs> Gmail us. We'll pop up. And, just, yeah. <laughs> And uh, last but not least, thank you to the Willow Walkers. They do our fantastic intro, and thanks to Burifa. We're going to start listening to their music right now. Bye, everybody. Bye. Enjoy the Oscars. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small town, slow pokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that I know.